on every one day. As uh, Brother Kenny mentioned, today is Mother's Day, and uh, I have some of those thoughts on my mind this morning. Uh, uh, my uh, call last day or so, my older brother has posted a lot of pictures of our family on his webpage uh, celebrating Mother's Day and upcoming Father's Day, uh, and uh, brought back uh, great memories. I I uh, have some unique issues dealing with Mother's Day especially. I lost my mother when I was 20 years old, and of course we lost my children's mother when they were 8 and 11. Uh, so I've had to try to substitute in sometimes over the years for both mother and father, and it, it's not something that you can do. It's not easy. There's never a substitute for a mother. People only have one mother in their life, and that's always a special relationship. Us dads kind of take a back seat to the mothers. Uh, we love our children unconditionally and uh, forever and, and eternally and strong, but it doesn't match a mother's love. We take a back seat to that. Uh, I see a lot of mothers in the crowd today, older mothers and younger mothers, and I bet I could ask any one of you, what's the feeling you had when your child was born and that child was placed in your arms for the first time? Uh, you have that special feeling and special connection uh, that us guys don't have. Now, we all go to a lot, both mothers and fathers, we go out of the way a lot for our children in many ways, we, we try to get them things we can't afford. We spend time with them that we don't have. We do all sorts of things with them to try to raise them up and to love them. But mothers have a little bit of a head start on that. But I want to recognize both the mothers and the fathers today as I talk to you a little bit. Be a little, always a little emphasis on mothers, this being Mother's Day. Next month is Father's Day, and there's no magic into this date. This date was started in... Uh, Boston, back about 1870, they started honoring mothers on one Sunday a year. Uh, went on for several years, and then President Woodrow Wilson in 1914 uh, issued a proclamation naming the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. Now, we recognize that, and we're talking about it today. That doesn't mean this should be the only day we talk about it. We should uh, pay attention to our mothers all year round, and in fact, we should give them attention all year round, as I hope to emphasize in a moment. I talked to my sister early this morning, and many of you know I've, she's, her health has been, she's had some difficulties. Uh, she had a stroke here about a year ago, and that's caused her some difficulties. She's doing fine physically, but especially at nighttime, she has difficulties, and so we've been trying to help her. She's in an assisted living in Arkansas, and I go back and forth to see her, and uh, more than anything else, in, in communicating with her, we talk almost every day, and she indicates she's lonely, and she knows most of the people in those assisting living homes are lonely, the parents, um, both the old fathers and the mothers. Both get lonely, especially the mothers do. There's more mothers than fathers, and she tells me many times, on Sunday afternoons it's difficult because you'll still see her herself and a lot of others, they'll get emotional and break down and cry on Sunday afternoons. It's kind of tough to talk to her on that because she'll get emotional talking to with me. But that's something that that all mothers and fathers have difficulty with as they grow old that I want to speak more specifically to in a moment. When I was telling her, she said, where was I this morning, whether I was at Midland or here, and I told her today was my appointment at the Lubbock Church, and she threw out a scripture to me that I want to open with. doesn't specifically apply to mothers and fathers, but it's 
applies to every one of us, and she said she wanted me to remember it because it was the scripture that Brother George Johnson used at our father's funeral. It's from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, 17, 18. They're all very short. Rejoice evermore. Good thought in that. Rejoice evermore. Sometimes we don't do that. We don't rejoice evermore <coughs> with, our, with the salvation that we have, and especially the knowledge of that salvation. We should rejoice in that always. But rejoice evermore. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. <coughs> That's something we also do. And I, I find myself praying a lot. And you know, That doesn't mean you have to go find a specific corner. It's good to as we learn in Job, to go find a, a corner, a closet to pray in uh, and uh, pray privately and secretly to, to the Lord. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about praying all the time, whether that's publicly, privately. But prayers don't have to be audible. They ought to be, we ought to pray. We ought to look to the Lord every day in our life as we confront problems and ask the Lord to help us address those problems in a manner that would be pleasing to Him and eventually be a blessing to us. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. And that pretty well summarizes what our life should be. And uh, Mabel said she always appreciated Brother George using that because then he went on and talked about our, our father, uh, which was Brother George was one of his fathers in the ministry and previous pastor of this church. But uh, talked about that was his life. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, and I failed to do that so many times, and I appreciated her talking to me about that. Today is Mother's Day, and we know we have uh, that special relationship with all our mothers, and again, I want to talk about it a little bit, and I also want to talk about the fathers and mothers together, because I want to talk about the children Some, uh, as part of this, hopefully today, if the Lord will be with us, but the Lord uh, gives a special place in the home, in the family for mothers. Uh, they have that special relationship with their children. You know, my dad used to use the example about you don't ever want to get in the way between a, a, a mother cow and her calf. That's a dangerous spot to be. And that's true. Uh, with even many mothers, you know, you, we have uh, mothers that are usually pretty sometimes quiet and meek, but you put their child in danger, and you put, you put yourself in danger when you, when you do that then. We know we've seen a lot of men that have grown up, especially, you know, just as an easy example in the athletic world, you know, we see a lot of these young men that are still young men, but they grow up to be very large people, 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", you know, 300 pounds. All, uh, many of the great athletes, uh, at some point or another, they always give tribute to their mother. Many of them were raised in single family, single parent families and I remember uh, Earl Campbell, the great running back at the University of Texas, big guy, bruising of a running back. He won the Heisman Trophy, and during his Heisman Trophy speech, he broke down crying, thanking his mother for what she had contributed to him. She had made him what he was with. Uh, this week, we had a, the basketball players, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, eight, or 9", Jalen Rose, who went on TV and did a special about his mother. He would not be where he was without his mother being there. Even uh, famous, uh, famous stars like Elvis Presley paid great tribute to his mother. He always attributed his mother. First time he signed a contract, one of his recordings contracts back in the state, late 50s, 60s, first time he got a good amount of money, first thing he did was went out and bought his mother a brand new Cadillac, and she couldn't drive. She didn't have a driver's license. 
but she cherished that and kept it in her driveway always so she could remember uh, those things about but her son had given it to her and paid tribute it's tough being a mother you know the the, the share of child uh, training of course the child birth falls on you child training raising in the home keeping straight the home we'll talk about that a little bit in a minute but uh, a big part of the uh, burden falls on the mothers and families and in this world couldn't get by without them i mean that, that's just a foregone conclusion but i want to emphasize it particularly today i want to go to to uh, uh proverbs i think first proverbs chapter one proverbs chapter one the lord gives us some specific specific instructions about mothers and fathers but more more, more importantly the mothers that i want to speak on today proverbs chapter one uh <coughs> In verse 7 particularly, this is written by Solomon. We know Proverbs written by Solomon. Wisest man in the history of the world, other than Christ himself, Solomon was by far the wisest man in the history of the world. Christ tells us that in the New Testament. There's never a greater man than him. Had more riches. Uh, Queen of Sheba came and said she studied his wisdom and, and the half has not been told. That's where we get that story about the half has not been told about Solomon. He's the wisest man in the history of the world and he wrote a book of wisdom. It's a great book to teach from. So the mothers that are out there, if you want to teach your, and fathers, if you want to teach your children, and I remember Brother George used to preach this to us, start with the book of Proverbs. It's got 31 chapters. Most months have 31 days. It's not hard to figure out. Keep Go to a chapter a day if you want to teach your children. Everything about life is covered in Proverbs. No matter what problems you see today, what uh, situations you have arise, whether that's Drugs, sex, addictions to gambling, uh, whatever you have, no matter the problem, you can talk about them with your children in Proverbs. You don't have to worry about how do you raise those sensitive subjects about the birds and the bees. <coughs> Solomon raises them for you. And that way you can just read them and then say, what does that mean to you? What do you think that means? You think it could mean this. It's a great teaching tool for our young ones. It goes for not only parents but grandparents too. It's a wonderful teaching tool. I'm going to start here in... Verse 7, the Lord's, especially 7, uh, 8 and 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We know we begin our training in knowledge early at age. <coughs> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, uh, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, this goes for both sons and daughters, but it says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. The instruction of the father. It gives us a little distinction here between the father and the mother in the home, in raising the children, especially the sons and the daughters. Here, this instruction of the father. The father is supposed to be the spiritual leader of the house, and they're the one usually that's in charge a lot of times of the discipline and the direction, not as emotional. The mother is the great comforter and instructor, but she's the one, as he said here, forsake not the law of the mother. The mothers have laws. Did you ever get in trouble like I did about belching at the dinner table? My mother had a law on that. You know, my mother taught me lots of the basic laws. You didn't wear your dirty shoes into her house or anybody else's house. You learned to pay attention to those things. Everything of the basic things that I know about life, I learned from my mother. I learned how to cook chicken fried steak from my mother. I learned how to wash my clothes. You don't wash white and black together, dark together, from my mother. All those basic things. And, of course, when I was a small child, uh, I lost three fingers in a, a newspaper accident, and it was my mother 
that taught me how to pick up a milk glass, how to button my shirt, how to tie my shoe. All those things that you do and you take for granted today were taught to you by your mother in large part. Now, my dad taught me how to work. He taught me the business. He taught me things like that that I needed to know to go through life. He instructed me in those things. But he says here, forsake not the law of the mother. I saw recently here a man wrote a book that says, you know, everything I needed to know in life, and they have an ending to it, but it, everything I needed to know in life was taught to me by my mother most of the time before I even started school. And that's true. How to share, <coughs> how to treat other people, how to act around the house, how to be quiet and, and bow your head during prayer at the dinner table. All those basic things are taught by the mother. And we don't have an appreciation of that until long after it's been taught to us. That's an important aspect of life about how to dress even to go in and meet people, to meet an interview, those type of things. Usually the mother teaches you that. Wash your hands, basic sanitation. You know, wash your hands and clean your face and wear clean clothes. Those are taught to us by my mother. I've gotten in trouble many times wearing the same pair of jeans too many days, way too many days sometimes. <laughs> but it tells us here, my son, hear the instruction of our father and forsake not the law of the mother. What's the benefit in that? For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. What is that? Chains about the neck is talking about wearing jewelry. You know, a, a, a ornament of grace to thy head. They give you grace and they give you dignity. These things that your mother teaches you makes you a, a, a person people appreciate. You know, you, you see somebody that tracks mud into your house, your first thought is, didn't his mother teach him anything? And the best thing a mother or her father, but a mother can hear is when you go spend the night at somebody's house and their mother calls back and said, your child was the nicest guy in the flightest when he made his bed. That shocks you usually when you hear that. But that means you've taught them correctly. And that's the, that, that benefit goes to the mother. They'll be graceful. They'll make you look graceful and they'll make you appear beautiful in a, in a spiritual sense. Uh, it's not talking about physical as much as it is talking about uh, spiritually. Uh, <clears throat> this is the, the basic law that Solomon laid down for both fathers and mothers about the instruction of the father and the uh, law of the mother. Let me go over here to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 1. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish pucketh it down with her hands. Every wise woman buildeth her house. That's not talking about getting a hammer and nails and building a house. That means the mother is the one that's in charge of building the home, making it a home, making it a home for the whole family. She's the one that has the instincts to do this, the knowledge to do it, the desires to do it, the love for all her family and children. She's the one, and I'm not saying she has to do the laundry every day and do the dishes every day. We should, husbands should help do those and share in those duties and carry out the trash. And we get in trouble sometimes when we don't do it, and we ought to do it. We ought to do it before we're asked, and I'm preaching to myself here more than anybody. But it's the mother that builds the house, builds the home, builds the temple. She's the one that builds a godly home for her children because she loves them. She does it because she loves her children and her family. That's a, a special duty that the Lord has given to the women. I could go into that in much more detail, but I want to skip over here now to Proverbs 31. And Proverbs 31 is special, you know, because this is the one that talks about the virtuous woman. Now, Solomon, 
is credited for writing these proverbs. He wrote these proverbs, and he wrote, he, he wrote the proverb about the virtuous woman, tells what a virtuous woman. You remember, Solomon, he did write uh, 5,000 proverbs, I believe, and 1,000 songs. He wrote a very wise man, very, very, had a lot of wisdom, but he had two major weaknesses if you read the Bible and study them. Those two weaknesses were wine and women. He had over 700 wives, and he had 300 concubines. Now, what does he know about a virtuous woman? But he's given us a great description here in his book. Reading over here about verse 10, he starts talking about who can find a virtuous woman, and he goes and talks about that at great length. And we use that a lot of times at funerals to describe the nature of some of our mothers in Israel, about how virtuous a, a woman they were. But, you know, he had a couple of those two weaknesses he had. We know that he had a lot of wives and concubines that influenced his life, that led him away from God, that led him to worship and, and build altars to other gods. Let me point out something. We start always on this virtuous woman. We start with verse 10. Let's go back and start at verse 1, and let's look and see something that maybe we don't always see. Verse 1, it says, The words of King Lemuel, and that's Samuel, I mean, that's Solomon is talking about. We know that that was Solomon referred to that. There was no King Lemuel in the history of, of uh, Israel in the, in the Bible or, other, or else in regular history. But he's talking about uh, Solomon here. And that was a, a, a name we know that his mother used to call him, kind of a nickname of sorts. So it's talking about these are the words of Solomon. But look at the next phrase, the prophecy that his mother taught him. Chapter 31 of Proverbs was not written by Solomon. It was written by his mother. His mother was Bathsheba. You know, Bathsheba is not necessarily the model we think of her. She gets she takes a bad rap. She's not the model of motherhood. You know, she's the one that had the affair with David, and, and she gets a lot of, of bad media, bad press, if you want to, for that. If you look at her background, she had a very strong background. All Everybody else in her family, her fathers and grandfathers, were part of the uh, supporters of David. They were very strong in David and in part of his, what was referred to as David's mighty men. But she wrote this proverb for Solomon. She wrote it. I'm sure she gave it to him. He probably wrote the words down. But these were words that came from his mother, not from him. When he talks about the virtuous woman, this is Bathsheba telling Solomon, this is what you want in a woman. Her talking, doing the talking, not Solomon. That's why we, we tease sometimes and say, well, what did Solomon know about a virtuous woman? He had thousands of women, concubines and wives. This is his mother trying to give him warning. Let's look at this and keep in mind and think, put yourself in the spot. This is Bathsheba talking, his, Solomon's mother, not Solomon. What my son and what the son of my womb and what the son of my vows. That's Bathsheba talking about Solomon. Give not thy strength unto women, nor the ways to that which destroyeth kings. And she's not saying don't pay attention to the women, but you've got all these women that you can't give your strength to. Women shouldn't give their strength away to men. Men shouldn't give their strength away to women. We've got separate strength. And that's what she's saying here. You're giving up your strength to women. But verse here, and he says, now she's addressing the two problems he has, wine and women. Give not thy strength unto women. Verse 4, it is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. She's talking about getting drunk. 
to excess, drinking it to excess. He's trying to teach them here. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Keep your clear, clear mind to be a judge, to be a king. She's telling him. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish. You've got a man that's ready to die, whether that's in the uh, subject to punishment, he's fixing to have capital punishment, he's being hung or being prosecuted somehow, or is <coughs> he's got a, a terrible disease and he's about to die. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish. We know we do this even today when we give people pain-killing drugs when they know during their last days. This is this advice came from Bathsheba. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine to those who be of heavy hearts. It's okay to give wine to those who've got heavy hearts to let them forget their troubles. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause. He's talking about those that can't speak for themselves. You hear a deaf and dumb, and, and, and that means those that can't speak for themselves. Open thy mouth that you speak for those that can't speak for themselves in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Those people that can't speak for themselves and are just going to be destroyed, she's giving this good advice, good advice for any mother to be given their child too, any of their children. Speak for those that can't speak for themselves. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. Good advice for us mothers to give. But then she goes on, and I would hope you'd read this. I'm not going to take time today. You've heard probably about the virtuous woman. Who can find a virtuous woman? And it's going to be hard for any woman to meet up to that description. This wasn't Solomon putting the burden on women. This was Bathsheba giving Solomon what she trying to instruct him on. This is the, the woman, though, that you look for. This would be the model woman. And if you can meet up to this, then you'll start pointing out to me what a model man. If I tell you you've got to meet this, and you're going to tell me what a model man should do, then I'm going to fall way short of that. You know, it is tough to be a parent these days. I want to go back and talk now a little bit about both fathers and mothers with this in mind. It's tough to be a parent these days completely. That's a father and a mother. Father's Day is next month. I want to kind of group them together here. If you go back to chapter 20 of Exodus, <clears throat> you don't have to go. You'll know this, and I'll read it to you. Chapter 20 of Exodus, verse 12. This is in the middle of the Ten Commandments. In the middle of the Ten Commandments, God gives this commandment. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land <coughs> honor thy father and mother that thy days may be long on the man so one one commandment we have that he calls given with promise uh, apostle Paul refers to it later on uh, in Ephesians about he's giving you this promise that you can live longer if you take time out to honor your father and mother he gives this to the children it's usually us adults that are reading this but he gives this direction to children you notice in these Ten Commandments, that's the one that addresses the father and mother. Where in here is it given a commandment to the parents to honor the children? It's not. Now, we have a duty to our children. But in the Ten Commandments here, he gives specifically one to the children to honor your father and mother. You notice there's no time limitation on this either. Many of us in here are adults and we're getting our senior years. We're to honor our father and mother even when, when we've become old enough, when our mothers and fathers are older. It's not just for children. It's for all of us. But it's specifically for children. I'm still a child to, to my father and mother. 
You are too. Each of you here is a, a child to your father and mother. And we're to honor them. That includes even after they're gone. It doesn't have to be just during lifetime. It includes after they're gone. But why did God instruct the children this way and he didn't give the same instruction to the parents? It's kind of an interesting question, isn't it? What he does give to us parents is he gives us directions uh, uh, to uh, teach and train our children. He gives us direction in matters of discipline, in matter of raising children, like he does over in Proverbs. There's a lot of things in there where Solomon gives direction about how we raise our children. But he doesn't ever give the children, I mean the parents, instructions to honor their children the way he does children to honor their parents. Let's look at the instruction here a little bit, though. Go over here in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6. You don't have to go there. I'll read it for you. Chapter 6. These are the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. The Lord says, I've given you now all my laws. There's you know, six or 700 laws he's given to them. I'm giving you all these laws, and I want you to know them all, not only the Ten Commandments, but all the other laws that go with that. And down in verse 6 of chapter 6, he says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk to them when thou sittest in thine houses, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You're to be teaching your kids all day long. Teach them in my law. <clears throat> and he says this, And thou shalt bind them for a sign on thy hand, tie a string around their fingers, so they'll remember the laws. Command anything to remind them of the laws. And they shall be frontlets between thine eyes. You have to hang a sign in front of them to see all the time. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. You've got to teach your children. You've got to teach your children God's law. He tells us here. That's our job. As parents, we've got to teach children. It doesn't say honor them. It says teach them. Why didn't he give a instruction to honor them? Let's go over here to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, and he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. That means quickly. If you love your child, you won't spare the rod. Spare, you've heard the, the way we say it, spare the rod and spoil the child. You've got to discipline your children. I don't think that means beat them to death, but it does mean discipline them. Now, sometimes that may require a swat on the bottom. I'm not trying to get into punishment, like corporal punishment like this for children. We'll get in trouble. I know Amy has to have training for that in schooling about whether you capital punish kids or not but we're to discipline our children discipline their children and chasten them quickly when they make a mistake do it quickly gives us lots of instructions about uh, giving discipline to our children let's go over here to another one uh, yeah the proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it Train up a child in the way in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. If you'll train a child right, we all get away from that. As soon as we can escape home and go to college and have a wild time, many of us do that and try to sow our oats or do things we probably shouldn't do. But we never forget what we're trained as a small child. That's why it's important that we teach our small child. That falls on husbands and I mean fathers and husbands together. But again. All these instructions on training a child, but it never tells us that we have to obey our children. I mean, excuse me, obey, honor our children, is what I'm trying to say. Children are told to honor their parents. 
parents are not told to honor their children. Why is that? Why is it that we're not told to do that to children? The Lord gives us instructions and he know in the areas where he knows we're weak. <clears throat> That's where children are weak. They're weak and so he gives us a specific instruction to children to honor their father and their mother. Most of us that read this are adults, really, before we read that and pay attention to it. But he didn't have to tell us to honor our children. That comes naturally. You know, it's hard to separate parents from their children. How many of us get tired of hearing somebody other parent brag on their children or their grandchildren? It comes naturally to mothers and fathers to honor them. Again, us fathers take a back, back seat to mothers, but it doesn't stop our diligence in protecting our children our natural protective nature. Our children have no clue how much we love them. You, can, you know, we do. You know how much you do. Nobody loves your child like you do. Lord knows that. <clears throat> That's not our weakness. Our weakness is not loving them too much. Our weakness is not disciplining them enough, not training them right. And that's why he tells us and gives us that specific instruction. But he makes sure that the child honor your father and mother. The children need that particular instruction for more than one reason, for more than just natural reasons. You know, we we spend a lot of time with our children. How many of them here, and I see a lot of people in here with small children, and I, you know, I look at them and I say, I've been there and done that. I can be a grandfather now, and it's a lot more fun being a grandfather. I don't have to work on the training. I can work on the spoiling a lot more so than do the training. But how many of you remember when you had a small child you walked into the bedroom just to watch them sleep. <coughs> your kid ever do that to you? Well, they come to your bedroom to wake you up. <laughs> Dad, are you awake? You know. <coughs> you love your children that much. You just watch them. You like watching them walk. I, I, I haven't done this lately, but I've got you know a lot of movies of my children. And I love when I can to go back and watch them when they're little. You know, I say, she still walks like that today. She's still doing these same things. You see the personality come out. And I love them, and I appreciate them so much. And I keep loving them even when they're gone. And even when they disobey and not do the right things, I still love them. A parent's love for his child, God doesn't have to teach that. That's inbred with you. When he gave you the breath of life, he gave you that instinct to love your child. That's your children, especially I know the mothers. Nothing gets away, I said, between a uh, a mother and a child, especially that first time when that baby is, you you hold that baby in your arms. I can't imagine any stronger love than that. That's you. That's part of you. You know, we have lots of stories about mothers, uh, and fathers too, but particularly mothers with their children. I, I know in some sons, I've seen in some cases reported where, well, you know, when a son commits atrocities against the world, commits crimes, the mothers don't approve of that. They've tried to raise them right, but they quit. Some of them even get put to, to punishment and put to death. When they're on death row, you know, we allow people to show up and watch them witnesses to death. You know the one that shows up about 90% of the time is the, is the mother. Now, I would think, wouldn't that be a time that you wouldn't want to be there? No. Still love them. Still my son. I love him unconditionally. You know, our, they go off and they, even when they leave us, when they go to college, they don't call home enough, do they? They don't send cards enough. They don't. Kids don't call and tell you, I love you. Does that stop you from loving them? No, it doesn't. You love them. You spend your whole life loving your children. 
<coughs> and you'll do anything for them that you can. Sometimes that has means you know invoking some discipline, as we call tough love, but it's doing it because you love them. Children don't understand that. The problem is that our children are much more dear to us than we are to them. We love our children a lot more than they love us. That's hard to say, but it's true. You think about it, it is. I wish my son loved me as much as I love him. I wish my daughter loved me as much as I love her. That's true, because, well, you know, and no matter, and they, they, we've got some, they'll call you and they'll say that, but they don't come enough. I spent a lot of time with my sister the last few days, and she's saying all these people that are crying, and she told me yesterday she was sitting out in front of this assisted living, and people, just some were moving out, but several people were moving in, and the parents would come, I mean, the kids would bring their mother and dad there, they were, in this case, they were bringing their dad, and they said, he's going to like it here, because there's a lot of people he can talk to and visit with, and she said, no matter how much he tells you he likes it, call him. He misses his kids. Call him. Send him a card. Let him know. Tell him. What does a mother do then for a child but tell her he loves her? If you call home, now I know this is Mother's Day, and I hope everybody will call their mothers, whose mothers are still alive. Call their mother and father on these days and, and, and wish them a happy Mother's Day. That's more important than you can possibly imagine because we love our children more than they love us. <coughs> you know, I... I didn't. I don't understand. I said that didn't make sense to me. And I don't understand. That. I love my mother and dad. I don't know how much they loved me until I became a parent. And then I look and I went, "Oh wow, what my mother and dad did for me." I can't. I need to go back and thank them now. Now that they're gone, I don't have the ability to thank them anymore. I want us to realize, as as parents, you cannot appreciate how. Your mother and father loved you until you become a father or a mother yourself. And you think about all the stuff that we do. How many times do we get up in the middle of the night? How many times did we change diapers? Did we feed them, prepare them basic food? Did we get out and run along beside them as they were driving the bicycle? And I think, my mother did that for me. My dad did that for me. And I didn't think about it at the time. I kind of took it for granted. But it's important you understand that you love your children, the good concept, you love your children more than they love you. Your children are dearer to you than you are dear to your children. Now, don't blame your children for that. That's why the God gave the specific instruction to children, honor your father and mother. You will never understand how much they love you. You will never understand how much they appreciate you and, and all the things that they've done for you. Now, the reason that's important, that we honor our father and mother and that we understand that <coughs> we'll never love our parents as much as they love us. We will always love our kids more than they love us. And you think, well, that's kind of hard, isn't it? It's the same concept with God. You will never love God as much as he loves you. That's the principle behind all of this. He loves you more than you love yourself. He has to discipline you every now and then, and he has to give you instruction, and he has to, you know, come in and kind of, what you say, put us in our place, open our eyes every now and then, but you will never love him as much as he loves you. 
It's easy to think it when you think like that, then that's the same way it is. I don't appreciate near as much what my parents did for me until I become a parent myself and realize that love I have for my children. <clears throat> that's as close to agape love as we'll ever get, our love for our children. That's the same agape love that God has for us. Do we always do what he wants? No. Do our kids do what we want? Do I always do what my mother and dad want? No. We go astray. That doesn't change the unconditional love that our parents have for us. Same unconditional love that God has for you. You are his children. <clears throat> we should honor and obey him. We should honor our father the same way he tells us we should honor our father and mother. That's why that instruction's in there. That's the basis of all our beliefs. This day, I appreciate your kind attention, but this day, take time out to honor not only your natural mother and father, but honor also your father in heaven. The same love that you have for your children, he has a greater love for you, his children. I appreciate your kind attention. My prayer is the Lord who richly bless each of you.